Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of Halos in the Infield 2002 World Series Special Edition with your host, Todd Fox, and the other host of the show, Fernando Viva Los Angelitos, all day. Oh, he's pumped up. Why? It's the 2002 playoffs. That's why we're going to go over the two series that led to the epic World Series with the Giants. So as we get into that, is there anything you want to promote before we get started? Sorry. Well, cut that part. we can't talk about the fact that we're going to promote the software, I promise. But, dude, that hat, clean, bien limpio. Oh, yes. Thank you, Randy, for the champs, 2002 champs with a halo on it. It's totally his design, so no copyright infringement. He's even got the patches right here on this side and also on this side for the 2002 World Series. You can't really see too good. I'm far from the camera, but it's an awesome design. So Randy has, like, I think, like a close-up. So uh, we'll edit that in post. We'll put that in there as a... You know, a, a close-up on the hat. Exactly. And by the way, you're going to get to know Randy because he'll be on sporadically with us during the season. So you'll see. And you'll hear from him. As well, you'll the, hear from him, all right. Oh, absolutely. Randy's rants are on its way. He'll let you know when he's angry. That's what we need, though. That's what we love. That's exactly. what we love. Yeah, true fans. You know, we, we always we always want to make sure that uh, we're being real as fans. So. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So we're going to start off on here with the New York Yankees series, which was built as, you know, back in the day in 2002 as the upstart angels going to big, bad New York and New York was supposed to handle their business. So we were supposed to be just a walk in the park for them. Uh, yeah. That's kind of always been the story, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the big market team takes on the small market team. And, you know, it wasn't until pretty recently where we started to get a lot of these like Cinderella stories or like the small franchises building from within mm -hmm. to win a championship. You saw with the Royals, mm -hmm. you know, I know the Cubs aren't a small market team, but they did have a small market approach when they built the team from within. They didn't buy their talent in 2016. You know, same thing with the Indians that year. You know, they kind of built their team from within. So, yeah, the Angels were kind of doing that before it was cool. And the Yankees, being the Yankees, the evil empire of, you know, the late 90s where they just bought all their rings and then it trickled into the 2000s. People expected the same thing, right? This dynasty is going to steamroll the Angels. Yeah, and they, they had no shortage of superstars, like you like you said, and they have and also like this fact that you know they were supposed to steamroll the Angels. They were but the fact is they were 103 and 58, just four games better than the Angels, who uh, topped off at 99 and 63. But again, the Angels were that story, the cute story, and the New York media was pounding the fact that the Yankees were just gonna go in here and do what they've always done. And that was to me, I don't know how you feel about it. But I've never went to the old Yankee Stadium. I saw a lot of games on television. Uh, the New York, the new Yankee Stadium is is addressed as or uh, it's 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 um, why am I losing my words here? It's all it's always featured as a corporate stadium now. It's not got the real fans like the real fans were in the old Yankee Stadium. It felt like they were on top of you. I mean, when they hit home runs, it was crazy. That place rocked. So that was the environment. So it's not like the Angels went into the new corporate stadium where it's easier to beat the Yankees now in theory, but they went into the house that Babe Ruth built with all the, you know, the plaques in the outfield and all the history, and they got the job done. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's pretty crazy to just look at this Yankees roster. I mean, some of the big names, Jason Giambi, obviously Derek Jeter, uh, Mike Mussina, Andy Pettit, Juan Rivera, Mariano Rivera, Alfonso Soriano, David Wells. Like, the list of some of these guys, you know, very, very well-known names. We are mm -hmm. talking some of the biggest names in baseball history. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you had some bench guys that came on. Again, Robin Ventura was at the tail end of his career when he was still hitting, if you remember, with the Yankees. You had Raul Mondesi, who was still hitting when he was with the Yankees. Rondell White was a solid hitter. Like you brought up, Juan Revere was just hitting. Like he was a, a, a round of rookie at that time, so he was a fresh new bat for them. They had Shane Spencer, who was a decent hitter too. So that team was stacked. And Bernie, you know, obviously the Hall of Famers of Bernie Williams, Jason Giambi is a fringe type uh, Hall of Famer, Derek Jeter, maybe Alfonso Soriano in the future. So, yeah, those are some big names. Yeah, and I mean, the Angels back then had a lot of guys who weren't very well known. You know, mm -hmm. you asked a handful of baseball fans, maybe they kind of knew Garrett Anderson or Tim Salmon, but a lot of guys didn't know David Eckstein. They didn't know Sean Figgins. You know, they didn't know Adam Kennedy, maybe. You know, Troy Glass maybe was kind of one of those friends guys that people knew. But the point is, the Angels roster, very, very unknown in comparison to that Yankees team, which that Yankees team has had multiple Hall of Famers that have come from that lineup or guys who are probably going to be in the Hall of Fame. The Angels are still kind of waiting on somebody in on their team to join the Hall of Fame, right? Yeah. I don't think there's anybody who's a Hall of Famer who was on that Angels team. Now they think about it. Not that's uh, – I mean, outside of being an Angels Hall of Famer, I don't think there will be one. I don't think they put up the flashy numbers. Uh, Francisco Rodriguez. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, there you go. Okay. Francisco yeah, Rodriguez. Yeah, I the one that immediately is like, okay, Francisco Rodriguez is a Hall of Famer. I know we've had that discussion before. We'll probably have it a ton more. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you, though. I don't think there's a lot of other guys there who are legitimate Hall of Famers in the Baseball Hall of Fame. You know, a lot of people are going to say Garrett Anderson, Tim Salmon. Those guys are great. They're in the Hall of Very Good, but they're not in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. They had great runs. They had great careers, but they they didn't have great, great career, the Hall of Fame type careers that would get you in. The numbers are – it's all about the numbers. And, yes, they did put up good numbers, but not good enough, like you said. They're Hall of well, Great Fame. Well, remember, Todd, in any normal situation, the Hall of Fame is about numbers, not in baseball. Barry Bonds, not a Hall of Famer. Roger Clemens, not a Hall of Famer. It's, so, were you, it's were you clean and also were you nice to the media, most important. Yeah, yeah. Did you brown nose your way into the Hall of Fame? Did you give free tickets to the uh, media's family and stuff like that? Were you nice with interviews? That's how it goes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this was game one. It was Tuesday, October 1st, 2002, an 8 p.m. start locally in New York. Uh, it featured the starting uh, uh, of Jared Washburn for the Angels and Roger Clemens for the Yankees. <laughs> There that's you a, go. That's a tough the game. Not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, this game uh, featured a lot, a lot of hits. Twenty in, in total between the two teams. Twelve for the uh, uh, Angels and eight for the Yankees. You want to start with uh, anything about this game that, that stuck out to you? Uh, man, you got to remember, I'm set. I was seven, so you're going to have to walk me through a lot of this. Okay. Stuff. Okay. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't remember much of the day-by-day -day of this. All I remember is, like, the bowl. I remember some of the World Series. That's about it. That You're going to have to walk me through the playoffs here, my friend. Oh, okay, okay. So so basically in this game, 
the upper hand obviously was if you're a betting man, you're going to go with the Yankees. Roger Clemens at home. He's dominant at home, stuff like that. Jared Washburn surrendered a run early to the Yankees, and they took a one nothing lead in the first inning. But the Angels responded with one in the third, two in the fifth, and one in the sixth, while the Yankees responded with two in the fourth and one in the, in the fifth. The reason why I bring that up is it was 4-4 after five, and going into the sixth inning, they would lift Roger Clemens. So uh, Jared Washburn actually outpitched uh, Roger Clemens. Roger Clemens uh, only pitched the uh, – let's see, hold on. Washburn went in this game. Let me get to the pitching stats here real quick. Uh, Washburn went seven innings, surrendered four runs on six hits. He gave up three three home runs in the game and uh, had two walks and two strikeouts. Roger Clemens' line was five and two-thirds, four runs, eight hits, four earned runs, three walks, five strikeouts. And he threw 113 pitches in this game. Um, and Washburn only threw 81 through seven. So he was very effective, and he was more of a contact-type pitcher, you know, pitch to contact. Um. So yeah, the so the Angels were deadlocked at four going into the sixth inning, and uh, that's when Troy Gloss, uh, or no, that's when they, they got a, a run to go up five four. Let me see how who got him the run real quick here in the sixth. Uh, uh, let's see, it was a single too short. Adam Kennedy knocked in a run, so that so the Angels took a, a five four lead uh, at this time in the sixth inning, and then. Uh, or no, they tied it. I'm sorry, they tied it at four in the sixth inning. Troy Gloss in the eighth inning off of Ramiro Mendoza would go deep to give the Angels a five to four lead. Now, Ben Weber, Ben Weber had came in, got a hold in the seventh, and he was pitching into the eighth before a very controversial call. Scott Schoenweiss, as, as Angels fans know, was a starter for most of the year but he came out of the bullpen in the postseason and he did not do a good job in the eighth inning because in the bottom of the eighth inning where usually the Yankees get their magic, um, Ben Weber replaced John, uh, uh, after replacing um, him in the uh, seventh inning, eighth inning started, there was a ground ball, uh, ground out. Then uh, let's see, you had a line out. Uh, Weber got through the, the seventh, started up for the eighth, but then there was a walk and a walk. And then a single by uh, Soriano that scored Jeter and a home run by um, uh, Bernie Williams off of Brendan Donnelly, who came in. Because Scott Schoenweiss was, was giving up the, the hits here to Jason Giambi, uh, which scored the run. And then uh, Bernie Williams came in off of Brendan Donnelly, gave up a home run that scored Jeter and Giambi. So the Angels bullpen, which had been rock solid all year, couldn't get to your your future Hall of Famer, hopefully, Francisco Rodriguez and the Angels gave up four and the eighth to lose eight to five on the road. Tough loss. <laughs> yeah, tough loss. Well, one other thing I'll share about this game is Derek Jeter and the media came out and when they asked him, "Hey, nice win for the Yankees, typical comeback. Uh, the pitching could be could have been better, but uh, how do you guys feel after winning Game One? Should you guys take a commanding lead in Game Two? Jeter stopped the reporter and said, "These guys are really good." Like we're not taking them for granted. They're they're really feisty. They're they're hard to beat, and we're in a dogfight. And the reporter said, "But you're up one game to nothing. You took the pivotal game one. You can go for the jugular tomorrow." He's like, "I don't have a good feeling about this. This is gonna this is gonna be a knock them out drag out series." And he said that about the Angels, and that's with no prior history of them being any good. So Jeter had a feeling about this series. I mean, Jeter knew baseball. I mean, I'll tip my cap to him. I'm not—I was never a big Jeter guy, but you know, 
Mm-hmm. Definitely always knew what he was talking about. He, and he was also always pretty humble. So, yeah, for a guy. I can remember G- Jeter being an a hole. Now, if we're talking about A Rob, <laughs> that's a different situation. But. Yeah, that's true. Um, but your boy, uh, Rivera got the save in that game. The Angels went one, two, three in the ninth. So there was no rally monkey in that game. One other thing that's crazy. So, like, this series win probability chart after game one mm-hmm. was still pretty 50-50. And I understand it's only a 1-0 lead for the Yankees at that time. Mm-hmm. But with the, you know, if if we're talking, like, betting, like sports betting, what it is today, the Yankees had a huge advantage over the Angels. They were favorited. We're, you know, I feel like most people probably would have projected a sweep. Yeah, absolutely. Because the Angels, to that point, were never good. What, one, two playoff appearances in the history prior to this? I think one, right? It was just in the 80s? No, they had three. It was 79, 82, and 86. Okay. I knew 86 because that was the team that everyone's like, man, they should have done more. Yeah, that's the one that get, that kills me every time. We should have won. And then people forget they were one game out of the postseason in 87. They had a really good team in 87, too. Okay, well there you go. Well, in the uh, so two thousand and one, they weren't good. Two thousand, they weren't good. The Disney era, if you take out the World Series, let's just say the Angels missed the playoffs that year, the Disney era would have been a complete failure. You know what I mean? Little to look forward to. Um, I think they laid the groundwork for the Artie stuff because all those players came through. You know, were all drafted by Disney. All came through the farm system by Disney, and and I think they uh, Artie got his first few. I say six to seven seasons all on Disney returns, basically. Yeah, and then, you know, and he go, he bought the right pieces and brought them in. It wasn't like, hey, we're going to bring these guys in and they're going to lead us to the promised land. It was these guys will help us get there. You know, yeah. you got the Tory Hunter, the Bartolo Colon. You got uh, Vladimir Guerrero to help you get there on top of the guys you already have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So... <clears throat> Game two was built as a game that the Yankees would stick a fork in the uh, Angels and go up two to nothing. Because uh, remember, this is a best of five series. Uh, this game went four hours, and it was uh, played on October 2nd, a Wednesday, start time of 822. So this game went well over midnight. Uh, the Angels and the Yankees combined for <laughs> 29 hits total, 17 for the Angels, 12 for the Yankees. And uh, this was a game that... Uh, you know, if you look on on paper, like you said earlier, you have the Yankees starting big, bad, and dependent. And he's opposed by an aging, some would say, over the hill at that time, Kevin Apier. Uh, so you're, you're thinking, okay, the Angels are in real trouble. You know, they threw their best in game one, couldn't get it done. Now game two, you're relying on an old veteran to get you t- to get this series tied up. But credit to the Angels. Home runs off of Andy Pennant, Andy Pennant by uh, Tim Salmon and Scott Spezio early uh, gave the Angels momentum as they jumped on the Yankees four to nothing after three. Uh, the Yankees would knock in one in the third, two in the fourth. So you have a one-run game going into the sixth. The Angels would then lose the lead by giving up two runs in the sixth inning as the Yankees would knock in uh, Alfonso Soriano's home run with uh, Juan Rivera at first base, uh, and then they would take the lead off of Francisco Rodriguez. So Francisco Rodriguez would actually blow the the uh, the game right there, and the Yankees would take the lead uh, going into the later innings. However, 
in the top of the eighth inning, the Angels down 5-4, and Orlando Hernandez, who was a very good reliever for the um, Yankees at the time, would give up back-to-back home runs, one to Garrett Anderson, who obliterated the ball into right field, and then Troy Gloss just went absolutely uh, insane to center field and gave the Angels the lead. And then the Angels got a couple hits off of Steve Carsey, where Adam Kennedy would knock in a sacrifice fly and Sean Figgins would score from uh, third base and the Angels would take a two-run lead. And then after that, it was all about uh, the Angels throwing in big bad Troy Percival. And Troy Percival, yeah, Percy would come in in the ninth inning. Uh, they would get a run off of him, but he would get the save and the Angels would win eight to six. I think that Troy Gloss home run is in calling all angels before the game. I'm pretty before the game, you know, plays every single day. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they show that home run because yeah, that was a shot. Because I've definitely seen that one. You know, we're talking like halfway up the stands, and the uh, Yankee Stadium stands are not you know five or six rows. Mm-hmm. Those are that's like twenty to thirty rows deep, and he got it about halfway up. You know, that was not a cheap shot. That would have been a home run anywhere. Yeah, that was a missile. And, and El Duque, Orlando Hernandez, was a very good pitcher that could change speeds. He had a very good slider, very good pinpoint fastball, and I think a knuckle curve. He had some sort of knuckle pitch that was very hard to hit. And the fact that Anderson just obliterated the ball and then, like, literally they had no time to, like, like Orlando Hernandez was just trying to get something over the plate for a strike, and Gloss just jumped all over it. Yeah. So that was a huge home run. So – Game two on the bottom of the sixth, when the Yankees had that 5-4 lead, Mm -hmm. uh, they were hovering at about a 75% chance to win the series. But then, of course, the Angels come back to win the game, and it goes to exactly 50% as to be expected, right? Exactly. And here's a case of Socha not knowing what he had with Francisco Rodriguez yet. He brought Rodriguez in in the sixth inning, and they actually had Ben Weber and Brendan Donnelly that actually calmed things down for the seventh and eighth before handing it over to Percy. Yeah, I don't think anybody knew what Francisco Rodriguez was yet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We had seen him in September, and he had a great September. He got into the playoffs by some loophole in the rule. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he made a name for himself that playoff. He did. And, again, another good game for Scott Spezio. He had three more hits in this game, three for five. He was batting 375 at this point, and Anderson went three for five. He was batting 500 in the two games. Yeah, I feel like Scott Spezio is a guy who isn't talked too much uh, mm-hmm. about during the divisional series of the championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did have that big home run in the World Series, though, right? Yeah, yeah. That was That's one he's always going to be remembered for. But Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So that was the New York series. Now, at that time, we had a series, and they asked uh, mm-hmm. Joe Torre, and Joe Torre was quoted as saying, uh, we're in a dogfight. And he quoted Jeter, you know, because Jeter was saying, hey, you know, the Angels are good. And so, yeah, they're in a dogfight, and that's exactly what they were in for. And uh, the next game would be at Angels Stadium on <clears throat> October 4th, Friday, um, in front of uh, 45,000. And this game almost went four hours as well. And it featured a 15 runs between the two teams and 18 more hits. So there's a lot of hits going on for teams that have pretty good pitching staffs. Um, in this game, the Yankees would throw Mike Messina versus Ramon Ortiz. And Ramon Ortiz, a lot of Angel fans don't remember, he actually led the team with wins that year. 
uh, Ramon Ortiz had uh, 15 wins as a starter. So he was probably one of the best win percentage, or, or he was the best win percentage uh, pitcher for the Angels. Uh, this game fe- featured also Jared Weaver's brother, Jeff, who pitched in the game, Mike Stanton and Steve Carsey for the Yankees. The Angels would throw Ramon Ortiz, John Lackey in relief, uh, Scott Schoenweiss in relief, Francisco Rodriguez, and then Troy Percival. Uh, Rodriguez would be used as the eighth inning pitcher in this game, however. Uh, the Yankees actually jumped on the Angels early with three runs in the first inning before the Angels would respond with one in the second, two in the third, and then it's after the uh, – well, actually, one in the second. It was three to one. The Yankees would add a three spot to make it six to one, going to the bottom of the third inning before the Angels would tie it or, or would add two more runs to make it six three and then six four in the fourth. And uh, but the Yankees runs would would stop in the third inning, so that was that was the impressive thing. Um, the Angels would get home runs by Adam Kennedy off of Mike Messina in the fourth, Tim Salmon off of Steve Carsey in the eighth inning in this game as well. Uh, let me get to some of what the highlights here. Uh, yeah, so the Yankees had went up, uh, you know, six to one at at that point. Uh, the Angels would get would come back here. With Adam Kennedy's home run to make it six to three, and then uh, let's see, let's get down here. Adam Kennedy would hit a fly ball uh, with uh, Fulmer scoring, and then in the seventh inning, the Angels would get uh, a single uh, by uh, Scott Spezial that would score Anderson, and then uh, let's see, they got a double from um, Darren Erstad that would score. Uh, Adam Kennedy uh, late in the uh, eighth inning, and also a home run by Tim Salmon with uh, Darren Erstad scoring. So in the game, real quick with the box score, you had two more hits for Darren Erstad. You had four RBIs for Tim Salmon, two hits uh, in five plate appearances, another hit for Garrett Anderson, and two more hits for Brad Fulmer, two more hits for Scott Spezio. And Francisco Rodriguez would come in in the eighth inning to get the win. And Troy Percival would do a one, two, three, ninth inning. So, uh, and also uh, Rodriguez faced four batters and struck them all out. Yep. The legend of Francisco Rodriguez began to grow. I mean, two straight wins. Like you said, four for four there on K's. Pass the ball over to Percy. Percy gets his second save of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And this was a huge nine to six win because this was pivotal game three. Now you're one game away. And now all the pressure, because again, this is a team that it hasn't paid out their players yet being the angels. So you have a lot of guys like on either rookie contracts or you have them on, you know, you're getting paid the minimum. Uh, Garrett, I think only Garrett Anderson and maybe Tim Salmon had their first big contract or, or Tim Salmon ha- was at the tail end, I'm sorry. And um, you had other players like Troy Gloss, stuff like that. These guys hadn't been paid yet. And uh, so so you had a, a minor payroll going up against, again, the big bad Yankees, the spending Yankees. So all the pressure was on New York and they had to come back to Anaheim the next night to avoid losing. Yeah, I'm just glad it was uh, – they were able to get to game five. 2002, the Angels' payroll was $61 million. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> that's probably, what, the worst in the league or second worst this season? Uh, let's see if I can get that to load. And that got you a World Series. That's crazy. No, nah, it was middle of the pack. Middle of the pack. Okay. okay. Highest was the Yankees at 125. Got you. Oakland was at forty million, and you know that that was, of course, the beginning of Moneyball. 
Mm-hmm. Kind of like in the beginning of Moneyball where it says like, oh, you know, $100 million payroll my, you know, against, I think back then it was like $30 million. So they did go up a little bit. Now here's a question I have for you because I'm, I think he's in the Hall of Fame. Isn't Mike Messina in the Hall of Fame? Or, or, or is he a fringe guy? He's not in. Because I know he put up big numbers for the Orioles prior to being with the Yankees and he put up even big, bigger numbers for the Yankees. Um, let's see. He is in the Hall of Fame. Okay. So you, and David Wells is not, right? No. Okay. So, but, but we can agree though, in his career, David Wells was a gamer and a very tough pitcher. So my point being, you faced Roger Clemens in the first game, who should be a Hall of Famer with, without PEDs. You have Andy Pennant, who is a Hall of Famer, I believe. Then you have Mike Messina, Hall of Famer. And then you have to face David Wells, a fringe guy, Hall of Famer. Four powerful pitchers. And that- I wouldn't say fringe. I mean, 230, 239 wins, 157 losses, a 4.13 ERA. I don't think that's... Well, so- I mean... Oh, okay, okay. You're, you're right, you're right, you're right. I, I'm just, I think of David Wells in the dominant seasons he had. He did have some dominant seasons. So maybe I am overplaying him a little too much. I get you. I, you know, I, I remember him growing up and watching him pitch in San Diego. You know, like I said, oh. I'm a Padres fan, so I remember seeing like the older Boomer. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, I, I'm more the Boomer before he went to Toronto, and the Boomer when he uh, when he when he got a couple no hitters, and I think he threw a, a perfect game too. So I'm he did he did some pretty good stuff. He actually he, looked a little slimmer. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, I remember a uh, very unfit David Wells oh, okay. who used to yell on his glove. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well. There you go. But when I'm, my point being, though, you have four really good pitchers that are that are that are gonna, you know, that should set the table for a Yankees win, uh, and and it should be like a three to one Yankees series win. You, that's what you would think. But again, Ramon Ortiz, he got lit up in in the playoffs in the last game, six runs, but the Angels came back and scored a lot of runs and really stole the series, in my opinion, in that game because. In this game, the Yankees' backs were against the wall, and they had to face Jared Washburn again. Uh, and so he came out, and Jared Washburn, uh, you know, would go five innings. That's all he needed to do: two runs on six hits, two strikeouts, one walk, ninety-four pitches thrown. Uh, Brendan Donnelly would come in, do a good, you know, he would give up two runs, but other than that, Sean Weiss did his job out of the pen, and Francisco Rodriguez and Percival nailed it down. Now, before we get to what happened there, uh, the Yankees. Jumped on the Angels uh, with one run in the second. The Angels would tie it in the third uh, to to make it one one, and then that's when uh, the Angels. Uh, let's see what inning did they erupt here? They erupted in the fifth inning. This was the entire. They put the series away in the fifth inning. Um, in the fifth inning against David Wells, uh, Sean Wooten of all guys would hit a solo blast to tie it off of David Wells. And then Erstad with a single um, up the middle, or on a pop fly to to mid uh, to the middle of the field. Uh, Benji Gill, our new bench coach or one of our coaches, scored from third. Um, Eckstein would score from second, and the Angels would go up three to one. And then Tim Salmon would uh, single on a line drive. Eckstein to uh, scored. Erstad would go to third, and then Anderson would single on a, a fly ball to short. Erstad would score. Salmon to third. That's what the Angels were doing. Just finding holes, getting hits, very unselfish baseball, and that's was that's what was killing the Yankees. David Wells still in there. He gave up another single to uh, 
to uh, see Scott Spezio, Salmon would score and Anderson would go to second. And then uh, with Romero Mendoza in there, Sean Wooten would bat around in the inning and he would single uh, to right field. Anderson would score, Spezio to third. Then Benji Molina, our friend, would double to left field. Spezio scores and Wooten scores. So an eight-run fifth inning just put the Yankees out of their misery. Uh, the Yankees would only get uh, one run in the sixth, one in the seventh, one in the ninth to kind of make it look close. But in the end, the Angels would advance on to the uh, ALCS with a 9-5 win. Yeah, the game wasn't nearly as close as a score might indicate. Yeah. I mean, the Angels are slapping the ball all over the place. Again, 15 hits. Yeah. So in this series, you scored five runs in a losing effort, eight in a winning effort, nine in a winning effort, nine in a winning effort. I mean, you should you should win when you're scoring that much. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, their pitching did well enough mm-hmm. to get them to where they needed to get to. You know, I, their pitching would kind of step it up as the playoffs went on because they, they did allow a pretty decent amount of runs to the Yankees. Yes, they did. They did. So – and it, but it was something that you look at those four pitchers that the Yankees threw out there. And the Angels threw Jared Washburn twice. Oh, yeah. And they threw Kevin Apier, aging guy, and a very unreliable Ramon Ortiz with a high ERA. And they got the win. <laughs> so yeah. that was very, uh, very, very un, un, uh, unexpected, even for me back then watching that series. Yeah. The back of their bullpen, though, did do what they had to do that entire series, really. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, any final thoughts on the on the Yankees series that you were? No, no, I mean, you know, at that point, you know, some eyes started to wake up. People started to realize who a lot of the lesser known guys are, you know, because they were in the national spotlight for once. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So then, that would move us to the Minnesota series, which was a series that featured the the Twins beating your favorite uh, movie right there, uh, the Oakland A's and that uh, Moneyball team, which. <laughs> There you go, you have a favorite movie. <laughs> well, the ending of that movie, how did you feel about the ending of the movie? I mean, we knew the result, but when you watched it, I felt empty when it showed the Twins making that catch and beating Oakland. I'm like, all that for that. <laughs> yeah, well, like Brad Pitt said, if you don't win the last game, nobody gives a shit. So, exactly. sorry, Oakland. <laughs> you know what? And they're still waiting to win that game. They sure are, and they might have to win that game in Vegas if things. In all fairness, I guess we're still waiting to win that game since. So that's true. That's and true. you know, if I'm really being fair, we made well. You know what? I was gonna say we've made a lot of playoffs immediately after the World Series, but then again, so is Oakland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Oakland has never really been a team that's been out of contention for a long period of time. Or whenever they are, they kind of figure it out. But yeah, you're absolutely right. They take a year off and they're back for three. So. <laughs> Let's talk about the Twins real quick. So uh, A.J. Pruszynski is one of the names that jumps immediately. Uh, They had a D.H. named David Ortiz, obviously now a Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Christian Gomez, uh, Luis Rivas, and then Torrey Hunter is another name that immediately jumps out at me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's he's, uh, in his prime about this this season right here. Uh, Also an underrated guy was Corey Kosky. And uh, Jock Jones. They did have some hitters on that team. I thought you were going to say the underrated guy was number uh, what? No, never mind. It's not a number. Uh, Michael Jackson, who was 37 years old. <laughs> no. <Played in> four <laughs> games. <laughs> he moonwalked his way to a victory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, <laughs> so 
in this game, we're, we're actually playing in a dome. So you new fans, the Twins actually played in a dome with the Vikings. They shared a stadium. It was the Hubert Humphrey Metrodome. If you ever want to see something funny, Google uh, or Google YouTube the uh, Minnesota tw- uh, Vikings dome collapsing during the snow. It was it, the snow came on the field. Didn't that happen a couple times? Yeah, yeah. Because they had that like they didn't have a concrete roof. They had like the uh, what was it? It was the- like uh, helium, almost like an inflatable jumper that the kids jump yeah. on. Yeah, it was, it was like that. <laughs> Yeah, you could drop someone from space and they'd bounce like 5,000 feet up in the air off of the stadium. Uh, there you go. Quick mass. <laughs> yeah. Quick mass. But, uh... but in this game, there was 55,000 fans, and uh, it was the first playoff game the Angels had played that was under three hours. This one was right at 258. Yeah, I mean, it was a low-scoring game, so clearly a pitcher's duel. Absolutely. This was a, uh, And that, that's what the thing. The Twins did not kill you where they're hitting. But they did have some good pitching, very underrated pitching. So you went from a series where the Angels were averaging double-digit hits and almost double-digit runs to one run on four hits. And the Twins had two runs on five hits. Uh, So the Angels' only hits came from uh, Eckstein, Erstad, uh, Fulmer, and Adam Kennedy. And the Twins would start uh, Joe Mays, who would go eight innings, one run on four hits, three strikeouts, 99 pitches, Eddie Gordado, who was a good closer at the time, a lefty, came in there and he uh, pitched an inning, uh, got a walk, gave up a walk and two strikeouts. But uh, that was it for him. The Angels run, the only runs here would be a fly ball by A.J. Brzezinski sacrifice that would score Torrey Hunter in the second inning. And then uh, Joe Mays uh, would give up a uh, ground ball on an air. can't, by, by the air, by the infielder would allow uh, Kennedy to score from third, so it was an unearned run. One well, no, they still charged him. Uh, so yeah, so one one right there, and then but the big run that was given up was in the bottom of the fifth inning. Corey Koski would double as Rivas would score, and it was two to one, and that's it. So uh, kudos to Kevin Apier in this game too. He pitched five innings again, which was he was normal normally doing. Only two runs on five hits. That's all. the The bullpen played clean. Brendan Donnelly, an inning and two-thirds. Sean Weiss, two-thirds. And Ben Weber, two-thirds. No runs, no hits, four strikeouts. Yeah, you got to tip your cap there to the Angels pitching. They obviously gave the team an opportunity, but for whatever reason, like you said, uh, hardly any hits. Yeah. You're not going to win a lot of games when you don't hit the ball. So, yeah, that's why it was such a low-scoring game. Absolutely. And so this game, uh, they get the loss. And so just like the – uh, the Yankees series, they come out down 0-1 on the road right away. So not not uh, not a good feeling, but you're not out of it because this one's a best of seven. You know, the other one was more pressure. It's a best of five. Um, any, any final thoughts on game one? No. Okay, let's move on to game two. So game two was played on Wednesday, October 9th, 2002. Uh, again, 55,000 fans. This one played again just 13 minutes at over three hours. Uh, Ramon Ortiz got the start for the Angels, and he would be opposed by Rick Reed, who a lot of people don't remember Rick Reed, but he was a decent starting pitcher for the Minnesota Twins. And again, your boy, you know, it's still a, Doug Manstakewitz, I forget how you say his name. He was a pretty good hitter in this game. He had three hits. Uh, so you had, you know, Koski, Ortiz, Hunter, and Mastankiewicz, I guess, was and Kadir was their murderous row right there. So the Angels did have to watch that, and they were putting up their own numbers in this game. 
But the Angels uh, would start this game uh, with a lead, a 4 nothing lead, actually, as Erstad off of Rick Reed would hit a home run in the first inning to make it one nothing. Scott Spezio with a double uh, to right field that would score uh, both Gloss and uh, – or no, just Gloss to make it 2-1. to one. Then Scott Spezio steals home on a bunt by David Eckstein, and Kennedy goes over to third on the throw as he was at first base. And then uh, David Eckstein uh, – or actually, no, uh, Spezio steals home on a, on a bit of a uh, – he actually actually stole home. I don't know if it was a wild pitch or not, but it says he stole home because then Eckstein would still be at bat. He would single to right, and Kennedy would score. So the Angels would go up there, uh, three to nothing or four to nothing, and then it stayed four nothing until let's see, or the Angels no Angels would actually uh, let's see a single a single would score. Yeah, a home run. Uh, by Brad Fulmer would make it six nothing as Gloss would score. So the Angels would go up six nothing, and then Ramon Ortiz would finally surrender a run in the sixth inning to um, uh, Corey Koski and David Mis- Doug Mistakewitz would also get a single to score and two more runs, and that was it. So in the game for the bullpen, real quick, Ramon Ortiz five and a third. He gave up ten hits though, uh, but only three runs all earned, three strikeouts. Uh, Brendan Donnelly he had a clean line and a strikeout. Uh, Rodriguez only gave up a hit but had three strikeouts, and Percival had a clean uh, eighth and ninth inning. He had four a uh, four-out save, uh, an inning and a third, three strikeouts. Angels got the win. Yeah, I'm looking at, like, some of the pitching stats uh, for the entire series. I, I won't get to those right away because we still have a couple games, obviously, to cover. But, man, some of these stats are, are crazy. I mean, Ortiz did decent. But, yeah, man, K-Rod's really what comes out of me. Yeah, K Rod was just racking. We'll, we'll up. talk about that when we get to the end. Like I said, I don't want to. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, let's see, and then we. So then that would that would finish up the series in the dome, and the Angels would come home with a chance, in theory, to not have to come back to the dome. So it was a two-three-two format. So the Angels would get an opportunity if they went on a hot streak to close out the Twins before having to go back to the dome, which. Angel fans at this point, and I was with my dad, and I remember my dad telling me, boy, they got to wrap it up here at Angel Stadium because I don't want a repeat of 86 where we have a 3-2 lead and we have to go back to Boston, but this time being Minnesota and we lose. Like, he was adamant. He's like, I don't want to go back to Minnesota. <laughs> He's like, if we're going to go to the World Series, you're going to win it here, damn it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Did you guys go, go to any of these games? No, actually, uh, we didn't go to any of these games. Um I do know that game five, my dad had got offered tickets late, but said, well, we were going to save our money for the World Series. So we, we we went to game one of the World Series. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we could have went to game five. So that, that really pissed me off. Um, so this one. I, game five or game one of the World Series? I understand, you know, how game one ended up turning out, but. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think in hindsight, I think game five would have been awesome because they clinched. You know what I mean? I, I could have went to the clinching game. But you got to go to a World Series game. So far, the only Angels World Series in history. They, they've they been at ALCSs. Granted, that was the only one they won. But Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, have, you do have a point. Um, so this one was played Friday, October 11, 2002 at a 520 start. And this was, again, another... A, a close pitching uh, pitching game. It featured uh, Eric Milton, who was a crafty let- lefty at the time, 
I believe he was an all-star that time uh, that year. And he went up against Jared Washburn, again, who was given the opportunity to, again, turn the tide of the series. And uh, this one was a tough one. Um, the Yankees – or the, the Yankees – the Angels would have two runs on seven hits, uh, and uh, the Twins would have one run on six hits. Uh, this one was a pretty dramatic game for a lot of reasons. Again, being the stakes, being so high – being a game three, but how the Angels would would uh, would win this game, uh, the Twins would get a home or the Angels would get a home run uh, in the second inning off of Eric Milton. So a lefty lefty matchup, the second time in the postseason that Garrett Anderson had taken a lefty deep. So that's how hot he was. Uh, so that made it uh, one nothing. The Twins would then tie it on a Jock Jones double off of Jared Washburn in the seventh inning. That would score uh, pinch hitter uh, more, and that would make it one to one. Now, going into the bottom of the eighth inning, the big clutch hit would be on a three-one count. Troy Gloss, J.C. Romero. Uh, a lot of uh, baseball fans would remember him, but J.C. Romero served up the cookie that uh, what is it? Uh, Troy Gloss would hit to right center field to give the Angels a two-one uh, lead, and then Percy would come in in the ninth. And just uh, one, two, three him. And uh, Rodriguez, the inning before, uh, one, two, three, Koski, Ortiz, and Hunter. Uh, he struck out uh, Koski, struck out Ortiz, and got Hunter to pop out. So the final line on that real quick on the pitching staff, brought Washburn again coming through seven innings, seven strikeouts, one earned run, six hits on 106 pitches. Francisco Rodriguez would get tallied with the win. He had a perfect line score again, two strikeouts, and Percival came in there and had a perfect uh, save, his fourth of the postseason. Yeah, Drew Gloss hit his only home run of the series. Yep, and it was a moonshot, and it was, and, and that's just how they were. They were, they were uh, clutch all season, man, just clutch. Well, clutch is all you need. It, absolutely. You would know because we haven't had too much of that lately. <laughs> what is clutch? Well, in the last half decade. <laughs> yeah. It's been seven long years, dude. So before we even knew kind of what Clutch was. But, yes, it's been. The a Clutch day. we have now is Roger Lodge. Roger the Clutch Lodge is what they call him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So then this set up a pivotal, pivotal game four for the Twins. The Twins did not want to go down three to one on the road. And this was Saturday, October 12th, the 515 start. This game was under three hours. And it featured a starting um, a starting matchup of Brad Radke, again another uh, underrated pitcher. And if you look at who they threw uh, in the uh, bullpen, they threw Johan Santana, who they didn't have as a starter yet. Latroy Hawkins and J.C. Romero. J.C. Romero was a good good uh, reliever. Angels started rookie sensation John Lackey, then followed him up by rookie sensation ben, uh, Francisco Rodriguez, then Ben Weber to close it out. So in this game. Uh, this game was deadlocked at zero going into the bottom of the seventh. Uh, there was not much action, just a lot of good pitching in this game before the Angels would break out in the seventh inning. Uh, the seventh inning would start with a, a single by Erstad off Brad Radke. He stole second base and then would get to third base on a throwing error as the catcher threw it into the outfield. Uh, Brad Radke would walk, then Tim Salmon, and then Anderson grounded out. So the runners had to hold, and it was a you know second and third at this point. Brad Radke then gave up a single though to Troy Gloss, who came through, and Erstad and uh, Erstad would score to make it one to nothing. And then uh, 
Scott Spezio off of Brad Rackey would double to right field. Alex Ochoa, who came in for Tim Salmon, would score, and that would make it two to nothing Angels. And then uh, let's see, let's see. Uh, I know I'm missing some stuff here. I would make it two to nothing Angels, and then um, the Twins were blanked in the in the uh, that was actually in the seventh. Yeah, the Twins were blanked in the eighth, and then the bottom of the eighth, the Angels broke it open. Garrett Anderson single. Uh, off of J.C. Romero, uh, Erstad would score. Your boy Michael Jackson would hee-hee to Brad Fulmer as he would double deep <laughs> as Anderson and Gloss would score. And then Michael Jackson again would grab his crotch as Molina would triple to left field. With that blazing speed, he tripled in Fulmer and Spezio. And then, yeah, then the Angels would uh, only hit him with the hee-hee. He sure did. Ben Weber would give up a run to David Ortiz. It would be a uh, single that would score Koski, and the Angels would surprise the Minnesota Twins seven to one, scoring. Lackey giving up three hits yeah. in seven innings with the zero point zero ERA for the series. Not bad for a rookie, right? Well, I mean, yeah, him and Francisco Rodriguez were both able to make names for themselves off of the playoff alone, right? I mean. And, he, and here's the thing, too, what what I'm noticing right here, what you brought up with John Lackey. He faced 23 batters and threw only 79 pitches, 55 <laughs> strikeouts, or 55 strikes. Yeah, I was going to say 55 strikeouts. <laughs> impossible. <laughs> yeah. That was worth a hee-hee. Y'all, Todd, your math sucks. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, the reason why I bring that up is last, what, three, four seasons, we've had starters hating. <laughs> Um, that give up 79 pitches in the first three innings. You know, so this guy's throwing 79 pitches in seven innings. That's not bad. Yeah, well, he wants to be loosey-goosey. I guess so. <laughs> so you have a 7-1 to one victory, and the Twins are now – their backs are against the wall like you would not believe. Because, uh, again, even though the Angels had five more wins than the Minnesota Twins, the Twins were division winners of the Central – they were they beat the big bad Oakland A's. The the Angels are supposed to be a formality. You know what I mean? That this was not this was a twins year. You know, they 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 beat the best in the West. Now you got the wild card angels. Nah, you should you should dispose of them. You know, they got lucky against the Yankees. Well, now you're down three to one. Yeah. <laughs> Who's lucky now? Exactly. So and- this, oh, go ahead. You know, I was going to say, and uh, in game five, the Angels proved that uh, it was not luck. Yeah, exactly, because this was a three-hour and 30 game, uh, October 3rd, Sunday afternoon. Uh, again, a game I could have been at. Uh, the Angels would... Thanks, uh, Fox. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Dad. <laughs> this was a game that was very interesting for a lot of reasons. Um it was the game where people thought or, or or would say that Adam Kennedy just refused to let the Angels lose this game. It seemed like whenever they went down because the Twins were taking the lead, he just would come up with a clutch hit, a clutch home run, basically, and turn the tide. Um, the Twins gave it all they could in this game, I believe. Uh, Joe Mays would get the start. Again, another good starter for them. Uh, he would be opposed by Kevin Apier. And uh, the Angels, let's see, let's go over the scoring real quick. Uh, David Ortiz would double in the uh, first inning and give the uh, the Twins a one to nothing lead. Uh, then you, the next scoring was uh, AJ Brzezinski in the, in the second inning, singling in 
uh, a run to make it uh, two to nothing Angels or two to nothing Twins, and it stayed two nothing until Adam Kennedy off of Joe Mays would hit a leadoff home run on an 0-2 pitch uh, to make it two to one at this point. So the fans were in it; they all had their thunder sticks going, as we've seen the replays many a times. Exactly. Uh, Scott Spezio off of Joe Mays would go deep, so to, to make it two to two, and then Adam Kennedy on a two-two uh, pitch would take Joe Mays deep again to make it three to two Angels going into the uh, sixth inning. Uh, so in the sixth inning, however, uh, no, in the seventh inning, uh, off Francisco Rodriguez, uh, after Brendan Donnelly had gotten into some trouble, he gave up three straight hits. Uh, Rodriguez would walk in a run to make it three to three. Uh, and then Jock Jones would uh, score, uh, or, or, or there was a wild pitch, more scores, and then uh, Kelly and Brzezinski move up. Then a fly ball sacrifice, and uh, Brzezinski would score. The Twins actually had a five to three lead at this point. But Adam Kennedy, with two runners on, was trying to bunt, and he couldn't bunt. And he and he got it to 0-2. And on an 0-2 pitch from Latroy Hawkins, or uh, not from Latroy Hawkins, Johan Santana, lefty-lefty, Kennedy decided to swing with it, and he clubbed it into the right field pavilion. Big three-run homer, and the Angels would take a lead 6-5 to five in the bottom of the sixth. The rally monkey was going crazy. Uh, Latroy Hawkins came in, and he proceeded to give up three straight singles, and to which Garrett Anderson would then walk to score in Eckstein. Sean Wooten would single, Erstad would score, and then the Angels were just playing base-to-base. A wild pitch on uh, Spezio would score Anderson, and then Scott Spezio would single to score Anderson and Wooten. And before you know it, uh, a hit-by-pitch that would score Spezio with the bases loaded again, and then a ground out unassisted by Darren Erstad on a sacrifice would score Figgins. The Angels put up their most runs in postseason history in one inning, 10-run seventh inning. Unbelievable. Yeah, they just had a lot of good performances throughout that entire series. I mean, you know, everybody talked about Lackey. I mean, Francisco Rodriguez with 4.1 innings pitched, uh, didn't give up anything in terms of runs. Um, what um, – why am I uh, – I can't find the strikeouts, but, oh, yeah, here we go. Strikeout seven. So, yeah, I mean, overall, it it was just a really well-played series, back-to-back series, should I say, by the team that wasn't even supposed to be there, wasn't supposed to get as far as they did. Um, Just really well-played baseball. I mean, you know, this is the kind of baseball that we've been wanting the Angels to play for a long time. That was like prime and pinnacle Mike Sosha baseball, the small ball. You know, uh, score on the wild pitches, take the extra bases, pitchers make uh, make their pitches. The defense was there. Everything worked out for the Angels absolutely perfectly. Yeah, and that's the thing I miss about Mickey Hatcher as a batting coach because and the hitting coach because he was he preached contact. Just make contact, have smart at bats, and that's what the Angels did. And they forced pitchers to make the extra pitches, and they would get at them. And, and you know, they did. And, and, and Adam Kennedy had a moment there, a three-run epic uh, game, you know, to, to launch the Angels into the World Series. And, again, 
the win probability out of the four teams in the American League, I think the Angels had a 19% chance to reach the World Series, and they took out two very good teams. My question to you, though, knowing what the Angels did with Oakland and struggled with them in 2002 during the regular season, are we talking about a World Series championship if they progress past Minnesota and we meet up with Oakland? Um, do you mean like the Yankees didn't make it and we played Oakland in the championship? Yeah, no, that's, no. If they if Oakland beats the Twins and and you know we beat the Yankees, do you think we still advance to the World Series and do what we do against Oakland? I don't know. I mean, you know. Knowing what we know now, you'd like to say, yeah, the Angels still would have got it done just because it resulted in a World Series. But, you know, the way the butterfly effect works, who knows? You know, maybe the Angels would have gotten in their head because of the lack of success against the 2002 uh, Moneyball Athletics. So maybe we are having a much different conversation if the chips and the dominoes fell in other directions. Um but, you know, just to put myself to sleep tonight, I'm going to say, yes, we would have made the World Series no matter what. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, that would have been a much more challenging road to get there. I don't think we would have beat the A's in four or five. Uh, that was, you know, they had Jason Isringhausen. They had Johnny Damon, uh, Jermaine Dye, um, you know, Jason Giambi. No, not Jason Giambi. They had, a, well, they had his brother, Jeremy. Jeremy Giambi, who's now dead. Rest in peace. R.I.P., yeah. Uh, they had uh, let's see who else did they have on that team. I think they had Bobby Crosby, didn't they? Uh, they uh, also they had Miguel Tejada, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, Miguel Tejada, Eric Chavez. Chavez yeah. Uh, they had uh, Hudson Mulder Zito. I think they did have Barry Zito. Uh, they had David Justice. Oh, that's right, David Justice. Yeah, that was a killer team, dude. I mean, <laughs> man. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, well, they didn't win the game. The game that mattered. So, in the words of Brad Pitt, nobody gives a shit. Well, I guess in the words of Billy Bean, <laughs> nobody gives a shit, you know. Brad Pitt made it cooler, though. He did make yeah, it Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Ladies <laughs> want to have sex with Brad Pitt. Yeah, I guess that was really insensitive of me to say because Billy Bean is gay. So Is he? I, yeah. I have no problem with people who are gay. I just want to throw it out there. We are totally pro. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's no issue. I just didn't know he was gay. I didn't know that. That was okay. You learned <laughs> something new. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean uh, – on October 13th of 2002, Game 5, or that day on a Sunday, Angels fans rejoiced for the first time. They are now going to the World Series. And I could just remember uh, just jumping up and down, hugging my dad and hugging a couple of my friends that were my dad's friends, that longtime Angel fans, and just to see how happy they were. You know, I didn't have to, you know, at that time I was, I was young. I was only like 21, 22 just turned 22, I believe. And um, so it was like I hadn't experienced too much, you know, heartache other than, you know, like the worst for me was 95. I, I vaguely remember the 86 other than doing history on it. But for the most part, I knew the Angels was just being a mediocre team all my life. So when when they got past the World Series all, or to the World Series, like, <gasps> I mean, I could not believe they were there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember much. <laughs> Oh, seven. <laughs> I was seven, guys. Y'all, I had some pretty cool Hot Wheels back then. <laughs> I don't even think I played with Hot Wheels growing you up. You didn't? Oh, man. You don't know what you're missing. Gotta love Hot Wheels. I'm Matt well aware. Hot my son likes Hot Wheels now, so I'm well aware now what I'm missing. Oh, okay. What I'm missing is my parents stepping on them in the middle of the night. And hurting them. <laughs> 
Well, see, I had the best of all three. I had Hot Wheels, Matchbox, and those um, Micro Machines. I oh. love Micro Machines. Yeah, those were awesome. I think I was more of like a, a of a Lego kind of guy, and I didn't really even like Legos that much. Mm-hmm. I used to like it when my dad built the Legos, and then I could play with the complete sets. Oh, you didn't was- like building them? Uh, you know, well, so my dad would buy me like the, the sorted boxes, you know, the ones you get like a target or whatever. And it's just oh. like, a box. and inside just the random pieces, like they literally just grabbed them, just threw them in the box and whatever you get, what you get. Yeah. My dad would buy me those, oh, but yeah. like whenever I got like a set, so there was like this bootleg Indiana Jones situation before yeah. they had the rights to Indiana Jones. So like I had those sets and I'd ask my dad to build me those. Cause I mean, you know, I wasn't very good at following the instructions. <laughs> things like that you know so no, i i get you with the ones where they just throw them all together because those would frustrate me i'd be like what the hell am i supposed to build with this like how i, no, I like those oh yeah I build, yeah i used to build baseball stadiums oh see i was opposite man i could i had imagination but with imagination to construct something i couldn't do it so like i needed the instructions so i was opposite i looked for the kits but for the random ones i'd be like okay do this couldn't do it I don't know. <laughs> My nose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bite him or put him up your nose. But, uh, yeah, there you go. The Angels are in the World Series at this time. So, with this episode, we talked about the Yankees and the Twins. And so the AL is all done. It's now marching on to the World Series where the Giants would advance. And we're going to get into five games. Similar to what we did with this, a five-game breakdown. And then what do we have after that? We are going to do a live, uh, hopeful live stream of game six and game seven, where you guys can tune in to our social media outlets, you know, the, the Twitch, the Instagram and all that, Facebook, YouTube, simultaneously as we rewatch those games. But you'll have to tune in for all that fun, epic World Series stuff, because today was about leading us to the World Series. Absolutely. That is going to be so much fun talking about the first five games and then doing the watch party where you guys could could even chime in and, and be cheering with us and watching it in real time. So we're looking forward to that. I'm stoked, Fernando. Yeah, yeah, it should be fun because the World Series I actually remember portions of. So that'll be nice to rewatch. Okay, so you were pulling the Legos out of your nose and actually watching at the time, huh? Well, you know, the World Series was something that was a little easier to see in the sense of, like, my dad was watching the World Series. I mean, what uh, I, I had a little box, a little TV box in my room back then where you had to, like, you know, I had a VHS player, and that's the bulk of what it was. So, you know. The but, but, yeah. So the World Series was on on the house. So Okay, okay. That I remember watching. All right. Well, we're going to get into a lot of that. It's going to be a lot of uh, – Good action for sure. We have anything we want to promote before we get out of here or anything we want to talk about? Make sure to check out the new website, Alos in the Infield. Uh, you know, you can uh, watch or read our blogs uh, by Riverside Halo. Uh, you can check out the new merchandise, the, the Fast Times under the Halo exclusive collections, and then the Halos in the Infield merch, of course, where you can get those hats. Um, the LA hat that I wear sometimes as well. Uh, just the halo, a lot of cool stuff over there. The new website's pretty awesome. If you guys haven't gotten a look at it, a lot easier to flow through it. There's actually a lot more practical stuff to do. So please make sure to check it out. Thank you to our sponsors. Um, and yeah, 
We hope you guys enjoyed the episodes and have enjoyed the trip down memory lane. Todd? Absolutely. I'm with you on all that. Uh, the website is flourishing as we speak. And also check out Chase's and Andrew's Around the League show as well. A uh, lot, lot of cool stuff coming up for the upcoming season. And we're here to celebrate the 2002 20th year anniversary of the World Series champion Anaheim Angels. So Hopefully that, we celebrate it with a new World Series. Absolutely. Let's add another one up there, right? Another flag. The one is lonely by itself at the stadium. So for Todd Fox. And Fernando. See you.